As superhero movies are becoming mainstream entertainment at theaters around the world, comic fans also have plenty of heroic action on the small screen to keep them sated while waiting for the next blockbuster. We are in a golden age of superhero television shows, with plenty of offerings from both the Marvel and DC universes, and the trend shows no sign of slowing down. To chronicle these recent shows and even examine some of the classics, we are proud to present Weekly Heroics, a two true freaks guide to heroes on TV. Hi, welcome to Weekly Heroics, a two true freaks guide to heroes on TV, and that's really actually far too lively of an intro for this show. Um, <laughs> it is. I uh, Welcome, oh, I'm Scott McGregor, and this is Chris Tyler, Hair Metal Hero, just the two of hey. us again today. Um, and we are literally recording this uh, Saturday, Sunday afternoon, I think it's a Sunday, yeah, uh, and we literally just got the word on the internet, unfortunately, that Bill Paxton, um, actor extraordinaire, um, has just passed away at the age of sixty-one. So, unfortunately, yeah. bringing you a little current events on the show for a change, because um, I'm just literally in shock. I mean, of course, you know, none of us know these actors and stuff, but they make marks on our life. You know, we've yeah. absorbed the the culture they've helped to build um for decades now and uh bill paxton was just one of those in a lot of stuff you know when he was just like a character actor he's been a leading man but he's been one of those character actors that shows up in everything you know and always makes whatever cast he's in that much better and of course we you know all over the internet today is going to be posted game over man and it it may seem kind of callous but that's that's i I, I that's his line man yeah. That and uh, how about a nice greasy pork sandwich that's been rolled in an ashtray? Chet, yeah, I almost posted a Chet clip, but I, I figured that was too too jovial for the situation. Yeah, I was I, I reading about it this morning. I was just really bummed. Uh, it, Aliens is one of my favorite movies, yeah. and uh, anytime he shows up in something, you want to watch it. His, the movie that he directed about ten years ago, Frailty, um, with Matthew McConaughey as the, as the lead. Uh, if you haven't seen it, yeah. yeah, if you haven't seen it, I'm not going to spoil anything. It is a real crackerjack thriller. Um, nice. It's worth watching. Seems like maybe I have seen that. I, I will go revisit that, though, because that's, that's what I do, actually, when we lose one of our favorite actors. I, I'm a masochist, and I go and rewatch all their stuff and feel sad for a while. I'm such a girl, as Sarah would tell me. Hey, it's, <laughs> you know, I, I, it's Nimoy dying, David Bowie dying. It's like... Well, it's literally they, the heroes of our, our generation. Yeah, they make, they make marks on you. There's no way around it. It's I mean, that's what it is. When Stan Lee goes, I'm going to be... Uh, heartbroken. Solable, yeah. Well, I mean, it, it's a little easy. You know, Stanley's what, 150 already. Well, maybe. So, I mean, it's something like that. It, you know, that's inevitable for everyone. But, you know, Bill apparently uh, complications from surgery at the age of yeah. 61, which the way that's worded, knowing a little bit about how journalists write shit, um, that indicates to me that it wasn't like a high-risk procedure, that he was in there for maybe something elective or minor and stuff just goes wrong, you know. That yeah. Just the anesthesia kills a certain percentage of people every year, and it's it's always a roll of the dice when you go under the knife. But man, just sad. And, and apparently, sub- celebrities aren't aren't immune from those statistics. No. 
So, yeah, kind of a heavy heart we start this one today. Um, and we are about to start covering Bill's run on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which, man, when you read about that coming on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., yeah, in very of the character he was playing, I mean, you were like, oh, yes, they're, you know, they're serious about this show, man. That's that's a good catch right there. Yeah. Um, and they've never had a problem getting, you know, great character actors like him and, and Edward J. Yeah, Adama um, <laughs> to come on and, and, and chew some scenery, man. And he'll definitely be missed. He's been steady working all along he just finished a movie called the circle with uh hermione herself emma watson which is like a- yeah he had a tv show about to drop too he yeah the wow. tv version of uh training day yeah well so. i think he he did like a guest spot in there because i think it was actually might have been his son which is one of the stars of it or something I, I no, was just gonna training day was gonna be the, he was the bad the bad cop oh okay he was, he was gonna be the lead so i don't know what's gonna happen to that show now oh, wow yeah so rest in peace bill man thanks for thanks for all the good work and entertaining us all those years yeah yeah you you got killed by a predator an alien and a terminator that's right yeah uh yeah uh, a distinction that means a lot to people like us if nobody else (laughs) uh so all right let's uh, the show must go on as they say yeah Um, so let's do that we're covering um agents of shield Season 1, episode 13, this week, and Flash, Flash, right? Episode yep. seven, 7. Season 1, episode one. 7. I want to flip a coin, or we can do Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. first in honor right. of our, our lost agent today. Hydra agent, anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so the, the episode is, is called Tracks, and, and you can't see this as I'm saying it, but it's spelled with, like, in all caps with a period between each letter as S.H.I.E.L.D. would be, you know, technically. The episode opens with the team engaged in uh, tracking down Ian Quinn for his connection to the Clairvoyant and the and Centipede. And they find out Quinn has uh, bought some kind of secret technology for 10 million simoleons and is transporting it old school by a heavily guarded train. Uh, so it's Marvel on the Orient Express, so to speak. Pretty much. Yeah, and then and that's definitely what they were going for, uh, even though the cargo is going through Italy in this case. But uh, the team is the team has to plan a train job. Um, hmm, sounds vaguely similar to an episode on another Whedon show somewhere in the deep past of space and time. <laughs> you know, which you couldn't help but uh, get the vibe from the Firefly train job. Uh, yeah. Or, you know, us brown coats would anyway. The rest of you normals just have no idea what I'm talking about. Uh, <laughs> Uh, we get some planning expositional stuff as the team goes over their parts, which are uh, hilarious kind of bunch of undercover identities, and, <laughs> yeah. and they're always you know they're they're all rehearsing it as there is some really great comedy between like Gemma and Coulson, and uh, it's just yeah. Uh, Ward asks May if uh, she thinks Coulson is firing on all cylinders or if he's going after Centipede recklessly out of personal feelings, and he kind of seems to say sees the same thing in Sky. And in a related conversation, May tells Ward that she told Phil about their casual stress release therapy. Oh, yeah. And then uh, he climbs out the window and on top of the train. How to drop the mic on a most macho guy on the show like a boss by Melinda May coming to a Barnes & Noble near you. Oh, yeah. I'd read it. (laughs) 
The job is to infiltrate the train, of course, and, and follow it to awaiting Quinn. Now, it wasn't really clear why they all had to be on it at the time. I guess they wanted to check out the package and everything first and, and bug it. Uh, everyone is paired up on the mission ward with May. Uh, Coulson with Simmons and Fitz and Sky who give us a funny scene of them working on their undercover IDs. And we find Brilliant. out that Sky does an even worse Scottish accent than I do. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty bad. Fitz decides that they'll be American, and it yeah, his his American accent sort of tends into the uh, Liam Neeson range, where you <laughs> just can't quite get that mid Atlantic nothingness down. No, but he, he's definitely. I think he made the right call. He's definitely better yeah. at it than Sky is trying to be Scottish. Yeah, it's just hilarious, uh, and bizarre hearing the American accent coming out of Fitz. But yeah, well, with an Asian person doing a Scottish accent, <laughs> the last time I saw that was uh, in Harry Potter. Uh, Cho Chang, the actress, is Asian, and she's from Scotland. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was like that's really odd. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, they play up the annoying tourist thing, and uh, Sky manages to lift some uh, keys from a train attendant. Uh, it really funny then, you know, her just, it was, you know, just kind of textbook annoying American, please just let me go and do my job before I kill you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, you know, always sharing too much. It's like, oh, yeah, I'm here with my fiance. We were in the hot tub for an hour last night. And, yeah, stuff like that. Uh, the Phil and Gemma show, however, uh, Simmons is probably <laughs> overthinking her part a bit. <laughs> well, she can't, she can't, uh, do anything impromptu. I'm a scientist, so. damn it. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. She needs preparation. Cause yeah, as I just wrote here, she, since the whole shooting agent still well thing, she's decided that improv is not her forte. <laughs> yeah. And she starts a young and the restless level, uh, bad acting fight with Phil to sell it to the rest of the train. And suddenly, goddammit, speaking of the devil, the watcher himself, I should say, the man, the cameo king, Stan motherfucking Lee shows up yeah. and gives the couple some relationship advice. And I actually f- forgotten about this entirely somehow. Me too. Uh, until I rewatched it again. And so it was like, you know, I, I probably knew it was coming when I watched it the first time. So this was like some kind of retro twist that I, I didn't realize and it was glorious. It's all connected, baby. Yes, it is. Gemma continues as does the comedy. And we cut to May on the roof of the train with Fitz uh, helping her with gadgets to find the package. Uh, Phil tries to call Ward, but he finds his comm is down and so he goes to investigate. And he finds an empty dining car where Ward should be, but uh, Ward soon comes running telling Colson they've been made and they both have to leap from the train and they get a grenade thrown after them by the guys pursuing them which seemingly makes the train vanish before their eyes or does it or does it and this is where the show goes loopy and really damn hard to recap so I apologize for how long this is <laughs> because we, we literally do uh, you know a Hercule Poirot uh, <laughs> mystery basically and kind of get the you know the crime as it were or the action in each point of view or the point of view of each character and keep flashing back to certain points and seeing how they get to you know where we are and you know where they all make it to the the same present basically 
So that was that was all before the opening credits. So man, this is a stuffed full episode. Yeah. And back from the break, we seem to be seeing what happened. As I said with Ward before he met up with Coulson. Long story short, he was ambushed by a beautiful Italian woman trick. Ah, the old beautiful <laughs> Italian woman trick. It happens. Mm-hmm. I would fall prey to it every time. Uh, he punches his way out, but can't reach the team. He tells Gemma that they've been made and gives her instructions. Cue the train jumping. And they find out May has probably left the train as well. And uh, bad guys pull up and they flee. And uh, then we get some things to solve that mystery here in a little bit. They find a truck which has already been hot-wired for them and drive off. Back at the bus, they talk to their contact who has also been attacked. Um, Cybertech knew they were coming. Funny stuff of Ward and Phil trying to figure out the science nerd stuff. Science is one, Operation Zero. Phil reads Ward the riot act about sleeping with, if, you know, if he doesn't care if he's boning May, but if it affects his performance, he'll be assigned to Alaska to yes. get Blonsky's cryocell. Abomination yes. reference for the win. <laughs> they really need to bring the abomination back at some point. That would be beautiful, yeah. They could, oh, they could do the CGI so much better now, too. Uh, I just want to see Tim Roth again. Mm. Yeah, he was a kick-ass villain. He really yeah. was. He, Tim Roth eats up anything he's in, even crap, you know. What? He was a great ape in a bad Planet of the Apes movie. Yeah, well, just go back to, to his appearance in... That Incredible Hulk movie came out a couple of years before the Captain America movie, and they basically, with that movie, were showing you what Captain America was going to be. Yeah, oh, yeah. Like... With just the you know the one injection of the serum, yeah. In a way, I thought it was almost better than some of the actual Captain America stuff, the leaps and stuff. It, it felt more comic-y. I don't know. Um, I, I will fight any man who says Incredible Hulk wasn't a bad movie. It was a bad movie. Oh, it's certainly not. It's it's an excellent movie. It just with the way that Iron Man blew up, kind of got a little overshadowed. Yeah. But uh, no. Incredible Hulk people, you've seen it, you know it. Yeah. If you were a fan of the TV show or the comics, it was right up your alley. It was a great hybrid of the two. Yes, it was. That's why Ang Lee went too comic-y, although I, I actually, do like that one too. I don't I don't hate that one either until about the last ten minutes. Uh, back in the trade, we flash back again to, oh yeah, Contact shows up and is promptly killed by a bruised and pissed off May. Uh, back on the train, we flash back again to May's branch of the story. We see her get shot and parasail off the top. That was very cool. Yes. Uh, she f- finds unconscious Warden Phil, who seemed to be frozen in uh, some kind of hypnosis state. Uh, look her gun. As they, uh, she's hot-wiring the previously mentioned truck, she's attacked by their contact and strung up for torture. And she's loving every minute of it. <laughs> or she's, you know, just badass, so she makes him think. You could yeah. say it was Fifty Shades of May. Oh, there it is. Yep. <laughs> Sorry. And if you actually get that reference, you probably don't listen to this podcast. No, and you're a pervert. You're a yes, sick, sick pervert. That too. Uh, yeah, you're a vanilla pervert. From what I read, <laughs> from, from what I read, that's not even like hardcore S&M, you know. That's a, I think, that's a story for another show. Exactly. Yeah. Um, with me, I would consider it, though. <laughs> me too. I'll be in my bunk. As she's uh, hot-wearing the previously mentioned truck, she's attacked by their contact. Oh, okay, did that. Strung up for torture. Mind is elsewhere. 
The torture begins in May, basically says, thank you, sir, may I have another? And then escapes and kicks everyone's ass, as she just want to do. Uh, back to the present, Ward, May, and Phil take off. Uh, Phil helps her patch up and tells her S.H.I.E.L.D. found the plane. And the grenade was, as we figured out by now, a hypno-bomb of some kind. And they're very worried about the science nerds. Uh, although they really shouldn't be, because they're badass when they need to be. Um, they find out the train has stopped suddenly and turn around to investigate, but no sign of their agents. More mysteries, and they find Simmons, who almost shoots them. Now we get a flashback to Sky and Fitz's branch of the tail, and suddenly they're attacked and fight back. Uh, Gemma comes running, but is nailed by a hypno-bomb, and they hide her away. Right in the gut, too, man. Nasty. Yeah. You know, we're led to believe there for a second that she might get weedened. Uh, they see Cybertech taking the package away and decide to track them. They find Quinn. Sky decides that they're going after him. Fitz is in his glory, getting to use his gadgets to further the mission. He's got his little Felix the Cat's bag of magic tricks. And Sky has a night-night gun and goes in. She stealths around and takes out a guard or two. And she finds the mysterious package, which is a human-sized chamber with dum 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 Mike Peterson in it. What? Yeah, we thought he'd been blowed up. Oh, no, actually, we knew he woke up earlier and has his little bionic eye. Hmm, curiouser and curiouser. Quinn ambushes her and disarms her. He pulls Mike out, who wakes up and is reminded of his orders. And Quinn pulls a puts a device on his leg stump, which quickly becomes a robotic leg. Robo-leg! Yeah, and Quinn tests his programming uh, by, like, are you allowed to shoot me? And he's like, no. And, like, are you allowed to shoot her? Like, maybe, but not right now. Sky tries to appeal to him, and, uh, if, yeah, as I said, Quinn asks Mike if he'll kill Sky, but he says those aren't his orders from the clairvoyant. Sky asks Quinn's, Sky asks Quinn, that is, what he did to Mike, but he shoots her twice in the gut and leaves her to die, and she's in pretty bad shape. <clears throat> yeah. She's bleeding out. Back with the bad and that was a pretty good surprise when it first happened. You didn't expect, you know, everyone's shooting around with night-night guns and stuff. And no. Boom, boom, man, two gut shots. Yeah, and it's not it's not one of those clean TV shot in the guts. She's, um... It was pretty bloody for... She's this pretty was bloody. Early, uh, early... Yeah, this was still it was on the 8 o'clock time slot, Yeah. And back with the bad guys, Mike grabs the lady agent from before by the throat and says the clairvoyant is very unhappy. And uh, Phil and company arrive and go on with Ward kicking ass. Double pistol ass, I might add. Yep. And Phil's getting the drop on Quinn. And meanwhile, Mike has murdered everyone in the room. <laughs> yep, as you do. Yeah. <laughs> you got to kill every motherfucker in the room except, except no substitutes. <laughs> Mike Peterson, <laughs> but gets instructions not to engage S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, team finds Sky nearly gone. They put her in the chamber that Mike was in, basically kind of freeze her until they can get her to the bus. She's alive, but it's not looking hopeful. And you can kind of, man, fucking Elizabeth Hendricks. And Hendricks can... Henstridge? Henstridge. My goddess, whatever her last name. Her, McGregor, her last name. <laughs> will be McGregor someday. Yeah, good luck. <laughs> yeah. But, man, that woman can... She can turn on the waterworks you know, and, and despair and 
She's a magnificent actress. She really she, well, is. she's British. Yeah, yeah. You know that's that's why they're taking all our jobs, kid. <laughs> Step up your game, American actors. What the hey, hell? At least she's care. supposed to be British. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, look, I, I love the fact that uh, Spider Man is British and he's actually a teenager. So Gemma is upset because she knows uh, the odds and, and Fitz comes, comforts her. The team is obviously shell shocked. Uh, May tells Ward it isn't his fault, but he says. He isn't blaming himself. Uh, the after tag is Mike looking on as his kid plays, uh, and he asks I person if he can see him, but is refused. And we, we suddenly get a close-up of the electronics in his leg, which says Project Motherfucking Deathlock. Right yep. There on the screen, confirmed. We, we were kind of expecting that, but, man, it was, it was nice for them to throw us the bone and actually be like, there it is, kids. Yep. Yes, this is a version of Deathlock. <laughs> Yeah, and again um, for the millionth fucking time, fuck you, people that don't that say it wasn't superhero-y enough. Uh, I know it's a dead horse. Come on, man! I know it's a dead horse. I just can't help it. Stop! <laughs> He's already dead. They brought up Blonsky being part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I know, and Stanley Stan Lee in it. You don't get any more connected than this one. Yeah, yeah. So, and this was early, you know, pretty early in the Halfway season. Halfway through their first season, you know, back when they still had to play kind of cutesy with how the season was going to go, too. Right, right. But, uh, yeah, so really, man, great episode. And just the whole, obviously, a love letter to Agatha Christie and Firefly and every other train heist type of thing ever yeah. done. And it was done very... You know, non-linear, and, and I thought it was really, it was a little unsettling at first. It Actually, you had to pay attention to this yeah. one. Um, yeah, I really love One of my favorite episodes, actually, of the series. Um, yeah, it's definitely a high, a high mark in the first season. Um, and that's saying something, because the stuff that happens relatively soon kind of changes the whole tenor of the show so <laughs> well with the the minor break that was the blizzard episode last you know they, they've been doing some really old just really dense episodes and stuffing a lot in there and moving the story pretty quickly i don't think it even stalled as much as, as some people would say um you know with having to wait out the the rest of the marvel universe they they kept to business they they i think they kept us entertained just fine me anyway yeah so. yeah i mean they, we're getting an asgardian on the show pretty soon yeah, so. yeah. movie asgardian yeah you know we, we got uh peter mcnichol a little while ago but and he's always just a joy to see too so it's mm-hmm. like oh yeah you know it Asgard's part of this, and uh, yeah, Sif's going to be showing up soon, too. Yeah, and then the late, great Bill Paxton very soon as well. Yeah. So be uh, happy to rewatch those, too, now. Uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to getting to uh, to that. That's some of the, the meatiest stuff in the first season is the, the stuff with Paxton and uh Yeah, and he's just as paxton as you would expect him to be. He just changed scenery, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's, uh, this is a great episode. I, I really enjoyed rewatching this one. I for, kind of forgot about this one, actually. Yeah, it's uh, completely blanked on, on the Stan Lee thing. I remember the Blonsky, uh, you know, name drop, um, but yeah, totally forgot Stan the Man was showing up, so that was great. <laughs> yeah. I'll kick it to you then, sir. It takes <clears throat> us to, to, it's been a while since we've been to 
to Central City, so... Yes. My name is Barry Allen, and I am the fastest man alive. When I was a child, I saw my mother killed by something impossible. My father went to prison for her murder. Then an accident made me the impossible. To the outside world, I'm an ordinary forensic scientist, but secretly, I use my speed to fight crime and find others like me. And one day, I'll find who killed my mother and get justice for my father. I am The Flash. We're going to cover season one, episode seven of uh, The Flash, which is titled Power Outage. Uh, my synopsis for this will probably not be nearly as detailed because this is a pretty standard villain of the week episode. <laughs> um, it's the Electro episode. Pretty much. <laughs> uh, so we the episode opens with uh, ten months ago. And there's a couple of uh, friends that are um, getting their getting their drank on uh, outside on the farther edge of uh, Central City to watch the uh, particle accelerator. Yeah, and doing smart things while they're drinking, like climbing large objects. Yeah. yeah, let's. Yeah, you don't want to climb a power stanchion while you're drunk. Or Just ever, saying. really. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so. The particle accelerator gets turned on. We see the faraway view of it with the uh, oh god, what do they call it? The um, not black matter. I can't even remember. The everything's going haywire. The particle accelerator is blown up. We see the helicopter that the weather wizard was in getting taken apart in the long shot as well. Uh, but the beam of power that's coming from the explosion hits one of these uh, kids, the one that's on the power stanchion, uh, while he's up there, and uh, unfortunately uh, that uh, gives him some uh, electro powers. (laughs) Yeah. Let's see here. Um, We cut to Star Labs and see Harrison Wells sneaking into his secret uh, future room to talk to Gideon. And uh, it's also a chance for us to see Barry in action as the Flash, using his Flash powers to help people and also also fulfill his desire to uh, be a temporary barista. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, We also um, have him potentially getting mugged uh, at this time as well. Uh, Barry is really... Yeah, he loves. It's like of all the people you could have mugged, you picked me. This is like, oh, this is great. Yeah. Um, Barry uh, stops the guy from mugging him and drags a police officer over in the blink of an eye. Um, just, <laughs> it's uh, it's a pretty cute scene. Uh, interesting tidbit behind Barry while he's getting mugged is a movie poster for uh, Nighthawk and Cinnamon. Uh, which is uh, two DC Western characters. Uh, so we missed that. Somehow. Yeah, it's tough. It's actually not easy to see. If I missed if the Weather Wizard hop- helicopter too. I did not catch that at all, or didn't make the connection. Yeah, it's um, yeah, it's tying everything in. So while this is all going on, uh, Doctor Wells is postulating that. Barry's uh, relationships to people and his desire to help them are holding him back from his uh, full potential as the Flash. So he's going to kind of step things up to try to motivate Barry to unlock his full potential. Uh, Barry shows up at Star Labs and Wells gives him a guilt trip uh, about not helping to find the cure for cancer by utilizing his speed powers. Uh, Barry at that time gets a call from the uh, police department about a homicide and uh, has to take off. 
at the crime scene, there's a burned up body just sitting there, uh, and it's just like ash. Uh, Barry points out that the burn patterns around the body are in line with arc electricity. So uh, whoever this guy was, he was electrocuted to death. Joe uh, says that they need to ID the corpse, and Eddie is like, um, how are you going to do that? This yeah, has like no face. Left. Yeah. And Barry, uh, being Barry, says, don't worry, I got mad skills. Z- yeah. uh, which Joe says, never say that again. Uh, <laughs> so um, while this is going on, uh, Joe is still um, – kind of shaken up from his interaction with the um, man in yellow from last episode. Uh, So got to keep that in mind. It's a continuing plot point for right now. Uh, At Star Labs, Cisco runs the uh, corpse's photo through a computer and cross-references their results with a DMV photo database and figures out that the uh, crispy one is uh, actually a security guard at an electrical substation that somebody actually just went into using his ID card. And uh, there's a power surge at that station uh, right at this moment. Barry rushes out and finds uh, the character whose name is Farouk, uh, by the way, uh, the one that got the electro powers uh, zapping everything to holy hell there. Uh, Barry shows up, and uh, Farouk says that he needs to feed. Uh, So the two have a little bit of a tussle, and uh, Barry gets zapped. Uh, but he's got um, no powers. Apparently, uh, the uh, electric villain of the week has somehow sapped Barry's powers away. At Star Labs, uh, they're testing Barry, uh, and yeah, he definitely uh, has does not have his powers right now. Uh, Wells, Wells says that they'll get Barry's powers back, but he uh, has to kind of push him. At the uh, police station, Joe smashes uh, Barry's favorite coffee mug to see if Barry's kind of just lying about the fact that he doesn't have his powers anymore. Uh, this freaks Joe out uh, because he needs Barry to protect Iris, who shows up uh, being her usual happy self, saying that, hey, the cops will protect the city. And barring that, we always have the Flash. Well, not right now. Yeah. Uh, Barry stutters and stammers and all but says, but uh, I am the Flash. Yeah, yeah. That was as he tries those. to talk her, yeah, as he tries to talk her out of her Flash fandom, but she's not budging. Well, that was one of the, yeah, my many uh, screaming at the screen, just freaking tell her, Barry, <laughs> moments in the first season, but. Well, you know what? By the end of the first season, she knows, so. Yeah, yeah. They didn't, they, they didn't drag it out too long. No. Uh, Joe basically pushes Barry out the door before he can totally give away the fact that he is the Flash to Iris and Iris notices his broken mug on the floor and mentions that Barry loved that mug and now it's destroyed Uh, Joe's just sort of uh, yeah (laughs) heading downstairs Barry encounters a super eccentric prisoner who compliments his watch Uh, this is the TV version of the Clock King who made his debut on Arrow uh, a season or so ago. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's uh, Robert Nepper um, from uh, Prison Break. Yeah. Uh, a lot of Prison Break alum on this show, and you know what? Yeah. Because yeah. uh, Robert Nepper is, anytime he's on screen, on anything he's on, he always plays a great bad guy. Oh, yeah. He even improved, you know, slightly the third season of Heroes, I think it was. 
Uh, so I think I had stopped by that point, so I yeah. didn't see him in that. It was a good call. It wasn't worth showing up just for him. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but anytime he shows up, I think he even showed up as um, his character from Prison Break on um, the A&E show Breakout Kings, which unfortunately only lasted two seasons. Uh, that was a really good show. If that's on Netflix or anywhere streaming, watch the two seasons of Breakout Kings. It's a really entertaining um not super serious cop show um, and uh, a lot of familiar faces on it you'll dig it uh, so we cut back to the uh, future room where Wells is and he's looking for paper looking through papers from the future and he sees that now things have totally changed there's no mention of the flash there's no mention of Barry Allen uh, and he's not too happy about it. Down in the lab, Barry's looking uh, wistfully at his flash suit when Caitlin walks in, and Barry gets all Barry about losing his powers, but Caitlin gives him a pep talk, and things are kind of close to getting kissy-kissy between the two of them. Uh, but Cisco comes in with his tablet, telling them that he's figured out who the metahuman is. Uh, basically, he, uh, he figures out that it's uh, Farouk. Uh, and now Farouk has shown up at the gates of Star Labs, where he intends to kill Harrison Wells, thereby avenging the deaths of his friends at the beginning of the episode. And at the police station, Captain Singh is like, hey, uh, Joe, I gotta run. But there's a super dangerous criminal that's just gonna hang out in our office before he gets transported, so can you look after him? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> then, uh... Let's see here. Oh, and Iris is there because it'll add to the dramatic tension for both uh, Joe and Eddie if she's uh, there uh, once the once uh, the Clock King does what he does. And he does that when uh, Farouk destroys the city's electrical grid trying to get into Star Labs. Uh, he grabs a cop's gun when the power cuts out for a second. Uh, so the Clock King is um, weasoned and messed up as he looks. is actually pretty smart. Um Given his uh, speech patterns and obsession with time, um, yeah, you know, they kind of hammered home the whole Clock King thing with them, kind of taken from the the Batman the Animated Series uh, sort of version of him, where he's very ready to tell you the exact amount of time it took him to do something or how long it's been since you said something. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Outside the police station, uh, Singh doesn't even make it to his car before things turn to crap inside. Meanwhile, um, Harrison is cooking up a theory about jump-starting Barry's powers with uh, electrifying the treadmill that Barry's been training on. Barry argues that they may want to just try talking to Farouk as a normal human being, and Wells is like, no, that's stupid. Um, We need to get your flash powers back so you can stop this guy. At the police station, uh, the Clock King is negotiating with Captain Singh while Eddie Thawne tries to sneak up on him. It doesn't go well uh, while Eddie's trying to get the drop on Talkman, uh, but he winds up getting shot instead. At Star Labs, Barry tries talking to Farouk, and it doesn't go well either. And uh, Wells gets to be all Wellsy and say, yeah, I told you so, Barry, uh, before they get ready to try the initial plan of shocking Barry's powers back to him. Barry and Caitlin uh, get to the treadmill to prep it uh, for what they're going to try, but they widened up having to hide from Farouk. Meanwhile, uh, Wells uh, is in the... um, the core of the particle accelerator and he's not in his wheelchair uh he's straight up walking Mm -hmm. and he walks to 
the bully that Barry encountered last episode, the one that can armor up like Colossus, and says, hey, I'll let you out if you can stop this guy that's coming in here. Specifically kill this guy that's coming in here. Yeah, we get this, yeah, because I mean, we haven't gotten the full deal with Wells yet, so we know he's kind of kind of off, but uh, yeah, Wells says, go out and kill this guy and I'll let you go. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, Girder, that was uh, the kid Donnie, uh, him and Farouk fight, and we cut to Caitlin and Barry at the treadmill, and Barry's getting hooked up, and he's like, alright, let's let's do this, you gotta shock me, we, we gotta try something. And Caitlin says, no, we can't, it might kill you, and Barry rationally says, well, if we don't try anything, then we're all gonna die. Uh, so, Caitlin flips the switch, Barry gets electrocuted, and unfortunately, uh, nothing happens. Back at the police station, things are getting worse, with the Clock King starting to lose patience with his cop, the cops that are there, uh, but he agrees to give Eddie basic first aid, and he uh, t- t- dips his finger into where he shot Eddie, and writes the exact time that he applied the tourniquet onto Eddie's uh, shoulder. So that if he does get medical attention, they'll know how long it's been since since it's been on there. Yeah, a little little uh, good combat medicine trick he learned somewhere. Yeah, thanks. You're being helpful. <laughs> At Star Labs, Barry finds uh, Girder, who's basically dying, uh, and he's uh, he's kind of broken up about it. He's like, yeah, Girder's kind of a jerk, but you know, this he, is... he has his heroic moment, and you know, yeah, he Girder does tell the two of them to run. Yeah, um, that's cool. Yeah, so uh, while uh, Caitlin and Barry... It's a shame he got to spend his final days in the super gulag, but... Hey, well, where else are they going to put him? Yeah. Um, super gulag, there we go. There's a, there's a new TV show for you. Uh, while Caitlin and Barry are hiding, Cisco comes in, and um, they're telling him about how Girder was out fighting uh, Blackout, and they say that he must have gotten out when the power went down. Uh, Cisco says that there's no way that that's possible. Somebody would have had to let him out. And uh, Wells doesn't bury the lead. He says, I did. I had to make a decision. It was let him out so that we'd have a distraction so that we could do what we need to do or we all die. Uh, so, yeah, the group is kind of realizing that Wells isn't exactly the super nicest guy. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, meanwhile, the Clock King finally uh, gets the helicopter that he's demanded uh, to get up to the roof so that he can escape. And uh, he takes Iris with him as a hostage. Joe talks him into letting Iris say goodbye to Eddie, something that the Clock King is bitter he wasn't able to do for his sister, who died before he got a chance to see her while he was in prison. That's kind of his uh, motiv- main motivation here is the time yeah. that he's not going to get back with his with his family. Uh, while Iris is saying goodbye to Eddie, she grabs his uh, snub nose from his ankle holster. Yeah, sneaky cop stuff, man. Cop daughter. She's a cop's daughter, man. Yeah. You get, you gotta do what you gotta do. Eddie whispers something in Iris's ear before the clock king can uh, pull her off of him, and uh, we'll figure that out later. Uh, back at Star Labs, they're basically freaking out while uh, Farouk is roaming the halls of the lab. So they decide their best course of action right now, since there's no superpowers going on, is to just get the hell out of there. So they make their way to the garage. They're going to get into the mobile science lab and take off. Uh, when they get there, unfortunately, uh, Farouk is there draining all the power. And uh, Barry needs to 
figure out what's going on with why he doesn't have his powers. Uh, basically, Wells has said, you know, this should have worked. If you don't have your powers now, it means you've had a mental block. So we'll cut back to the police station again, and uh, let's see. We see what Eddie says to Iris here. It's ankle holster. That's why she took the gun. Yeah. Uh, and uh, then a gunshot sounds. Uh, Joe yells, thinking that Iris has been shot. We jump back to Star Labs where Wells offers himself up to Farouk, and Farouk says he doesn't care about the people who died when the reactor blew up, and Wells proves him wrong by listing off a string of very uh, DC-heavy, uh, nerdy Ralph names. Ralph Dibney was in there. Ralph Dibney, uh, uh, Acosta, that's fire. Um, okay. That yeah. Is, Ralph is the only one I really caught. There's, there's more. I probably should have written them down. Uh, maybe I can get some notes on him real fast while I'm online here. Um, but Wells says, yeah, he's aware of every single person that's died and their potential has now been taken away. Uh, and Farouk at that point goes all supervillain saying, you know what, you died that night too, you just didn't know it. Uh, at this time, Farouk sends out some lightning from his super electric jazz hands and... Uh, this is when Barry finally realizes, oh, okay, I've got to kick back into flash mode. So uh, he swoops in, gets Wells out of the way, super speeds back to his costume, puts it on, and uh, the two of them then fight. And um, unlike earlier in the episode where Barry was getting shocked, uh, at this, this time now, Barry lets Farouk take all the power that he's trying to drain from him. And... Basically, he overloads them. Overloads. Really nice effects, too, man. He, yeah. He a lightning fight, basically. Oh, I know. Well, when Barry's, got, Barry's letting all of his energy out, and it's golden, so he's like, he's basically going Super Saiyan. It looks yeah. like he's <laughs> like he's Dragon Ball powering up, like, ah! Yeah. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Unintentionally, um, because Farouk wouldn't stop him trying to absorb the power, uh, he dies. Isn't that convenient? <laughs> we cut to the police station and uh, we see that Iris is okay and the cops are uh, removing uh, the clock king and he's limping. So it was Iris that shot uh, the clock king in the leg. Oh, of course. Yeah. Uh, back at Star Labs, Caitlin is zipping up Farouk's body in a body bag uh, inside one of the cells in the particle accelerator chamber. Uh, Turns out that uh, Farouk essentially choked on Barry. Make your own joke there. Uh, <laughs> Barry apologizes uh, for being a jerk to Wells earlier, and Wells is, you know, trying to keep his cover saying, yeah, I guess I deserved it. Um, Barry goes to visit Eddie in the hospital and finds that Joe and Iris are there. Eddie is, uh, well, he's tripping balls on pain meds. Uh that's pretty funny. Good thing, because Barry, you know, tries to give away his identity about the eighth time in this episode. Yeah. God <laughs> damn it, Barry! I know. Uh, Joe's happy that he has his power back. Uh, the Flash makes a little visit to Iris, saying, hey, I'm sorry I wasn't there for you tonight, but I'll make sure that I'm always around for you because you deserve it. Yada, 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 CW, CW. <laughs> uh, and we get another Wells epilogue with him seeing that with Barry getting his powers back, the future is now intact. And he starts to rethink his strategy, knowing that Barry needs people to be the best Barry he can be. Ooh, big flip there. Mm -hmm. And we also get another epilogue, uh, this time with Barry 
uh, being on time to help Wells with the stuff that he wants to do, uh, the scientific studies that he wants to do. And the final epilogue uh, is the uh, the real stinger. Uh, Wells is unzipping the body bag with Farouk, mentioning that you had a way to neutralize the Flash's powers. To and steal the Flash. Steal them. Uh, that is something that I need. And he takes a vial of blood from Farouk's neck. Dun, dun, dun. Also, we have to mention Sad Cisco was sad that he didn't get to name the guy Blackout before he, he bit the farm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Not enough time when you're knocking off villains like that to come up with a good name. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, this... um this is a pretty standard villain of the week episode, uh, but it's not really the villain of the week. That's the main thrust here. It is the it's the formula. It's the it is hero. the form. You got to do this at least once. Hero loses powers. They got to figure out a new way around things. Yeah, yeah. This one's more about uh, Wells being creepy and um, deepening the mystery of what's going to happen in the future and what's going on with Wells. Uh, yeah. To that regard, it's certainly. Uh, Excels, um, yeah. Not the most interesting villain of the week in this one, but electric powers. Great visuals, though. They didn't yeah. Oh no! Look effects. great. Absolutely look great. Um, let's see here. The elemental villains are always the good ones to use for villain of the week. You know, you get your ice guys, your electric guys, your fire guys. You know, we haven't seen a good earth elemental in a while. But hey, Swamp Thing, you guys could use Swamp Thing. That's all I'm saying. They probably um, won't touch something, unfortunately. Yeah, you know what? You never know. I'm not going to say no because Jesus Christ, Gorilla City. <laughs> yeah, multiple be multiple even... Earths and showing the the '90s Flash as part of one of the multiple Earths. Like, I guess it's all fair game at this point. Uh, you know who we won't see on these shows ever, though? Batman or Superman. Well, true. Yeah, but hey. Who cares at this point? <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's all right. Uh, let's see here. Um, uh, let's see. Some of the names here. Uh, I found a list. Um, uh, Ralph Dibney, Al Rothstein, that's Adam Smasher, Grant Emerson uh, is Damage, Will Everett, the Amazing Man, not Amazing Man, uh, Beatrice, Beatrice DaCosta, that's Fire. Um, Kate, and then uh, Ronnie, Raymond, Firestorm. So, oh, yeah. Yeah, so they definitely did a lot of deep pulls there. And we will get uh, a version of Al Rothstein in the, uh, the second season, or the third season, second season. Um, they do bring him in. They bring in the Earth to Al Rothstein uh, later on. So definitely uh they might have been thinking ahead who knows <laughs> yeah uh this it's a fun episode i mean none of the episodes of the flash are really bad it, it depends on your tolerance for the cw level of uh romance i guess yeah, uh, it wasn't so, too heavy-handed and it was no. you know it was nice seeing uh the drama with eddie getting shot and everything that was all the actors brought it in that one i thought yeah, it's and again, it's because they've made Eddie a nice guy, you know. Yeah, yeah, to, almost to a fault. Yeah, <laughs> but um, the other kind of trope that they went to in this one was, you know, the early on 
and, and it ties in with, well, Hero has to lose his powers now, but enjoying his powers maybe even too much, and Barry was extremely careless in this episode. Oh, yeah. You know, that's <laughs> that's why it makes me scream, just tell Iris, because you clearly don't care if anyone else knows you're the Flash. Yeah, I mean, the, I... the coffee... <laughs> If for anyone that knew anything about the blur or the flash running around, would probably have been able to work that out in the coffee shop that they've just <laughs> been given their their Java by the Flash, you know. Uh, so yeah, Barry was a little little stupid this episode, to be honest, in my opinion. But yeah, well, it's still early on, you know. It's been yeah. less than a year since he got struck by lightning, and he's only been awake for you know a couple of months. I, I thought the mugging thing was was funny, and you know, but you know, it also serves to to show that he does have a bit of an ego about it, and that can always be your downfall. Uh, uh, as we'll see later on in this series. Uh-huh, yeah. Uh huh. Yeah, but it was funny. It's like, yeah, of all the people in this city, you could have mugged. You picked me, you stupid bastard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, you might as well have tried to rob Bruce Wayne in the daylight. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, I think that's all I got. I think I hit all the uh, the trivia points too. But yeah, it was, a, it was a dense, but you know, a, a quickly moving episode. And good to see the clocking again. And and the way we're doing this show, obviously, we haven't talked about them on Arrow yet. Uh, but you know, it's multiverse, timey wimey shit. What can we do? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, he always chews up anything he's in. So it was good to good to see him. And uh, they they write them well for this and Arrow. They 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 got the vibe down for the Clock King. Absolutely. Oh. Yeah, that's I, I it. Was, that's it, all I got. Yeah, it was, it was a good flash. It was it's good to be back talking about it and watching it. So we are going to keep at this for a while. We also got a peripheral thing of doing some Legion reviews for you. And uh, episode two of that's going to come out right around the same time this one is. And yeah. hopefully we can uh, catch up to those to where they are airing during the week. We're only like one show behind. so Yeah, we're going to have to because Preacher will be back in about two or three months too. So oh, I know. It. Oh, there's so much stuff coming lately. Iron Fist next month. And, yeah. Uh, oh, and some of the movies. Kong, give me freaking monkeys. I cannot wait for that version of Kong. That looks that like looks it's right up my alley. So crazy, I know. It's really not a version of Kong I don't like, though, so. No, and, and this one's the one that's building right. Uh, this this is, look, is Monster Island, basically. That's yeah. the way I'm looking at it, you know. And there have been rumors about, like, uh, uh, a, a teaser at the end of it or post-credits thing oh. that might might be one of the, the critters we're going to see him fight later on in the in the Godzilla pantheon. All right, all right. I, you know, totally off topics, but I, I watched like 13 minutes of Kong trailers and clips last night, so it's on my brain. <laughs> yeah, well, with that cast and the way it looks, I'm very, very excited. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so yeah, I guess that's it for another weekly heroics, kids. Got lots of stuff coming your way. Yeah, me and Hero, I'm, I'm not sure when it's coming out. Me and Hero just did a little guest spot over on our friend Aaron's podcast. Um, Tangents about where we're going to be talking about uh, Batman Mask of the Phantasm. So, oh yeah, that was a fun time. So, 
Catch you next week. Bye now. Stay tuned. Bye. You like cheap comic books, right? Well, I'm Professor Allen, and I talk about cheap comic books on the Quarterbin Podcast. In every episode, I'll dissect a single comic from my collection, as long as I paid no more than 25 cents for the issue. Forget about $4 new comics that you can read in four minutes, or crossover events that can cost 100 bucks to collect. Join me in the quarter bin, where even bad comics are a bargain, and good ones are a steal. The Quarter Bin Podcast is part of the Relatively Geeky Podcast Network. Visit us at relativelygeekypodcast.blogspot.com or search Relatively Geeky or Quarter Bin Podcast in iTunes. I guarantee it'll be worth every penny.